Hello and welcome. This is just a so I normally do my podcast. I guess I am a little strategic about how I do them. Well, I've become more strategic because I realized I was just mm, a little whimsical. I'm a little hopeful. And sometimes my hope um, interferes with my practicality. So, yeah, sometimes I'm just strategic in the sense that I kind of know what I'm going to speak about and try and outline information based on that, or at least have a timeline on how I'm going to relay my message. But this one is a little different just because I am allowing myself to be more sincere. Is that the word? Not that I'm not sincere. I'm just more, I guess I just have a mentality of making sure that what I say has a purpose. And that can sometimes deflect my, um, what's the word? Let me figure out the right word. It can sometimes deflect what I really want to say. Because what I really want to say sometimes doesn't have a purpose, if that makes any kind of sense. But it has a meaning. It has an undertone. It has... Um, it has a way of influence that may be my purpose or what I perceive to be purposeful information does not, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Um, so I have been in a space of What's the right word? This is probably going to be, and I want it to be drawn out, but I know when I'm being more mm, compassionate or more inviting, then I have to make sure that I use my words mm, in a safe manner. Because anybody who opens up or anybody who's honest, they like to be safe so that they're not inflicting any wounds or opening any means of confusion or contortion. That sounds like a big word. I don't know what that word means, but I'm hearing contortion. I don't know what that means. I'm so sorry. But it must be something. But yeah, anyway, so this is just about simply me um, finding my guiding light. And so I have an ability, an uncanny ability to find that guiding light in the shadows, in the darkness or when I'm all alone. In some kind of way, I believe that I can find this light within myself and then present it 
to somebody, not necessarily the world at large, but somebody. <laughs> and it's just because when I think that I found that God in light or when I feel like I found that God in light, it just means a great deal of happiness, a great means of peace. And I feel like everybody should be privy to that or how can develop that or find it within themselves and we can all just be an amazing bunch of lights walking in the world or just a whole bunch of you know like the fireflies that are at the campsites it's just you know not the ones that are bugs is, is it the firefly whatever the light bug is that just has the light that may just be a myth or a rumor but you know when they have the light they show it on movies okay you have the light and the light is just you just you don't even see the bug you only see the light so if that's true that's what i believe that's what i want to happen that's what i i see it as but if it's just a firefly like something that's annoying i do apologize but that's the way i see it so anyway i believe that in my heart but even if i do that i must also say that in those dark moments, in those shadows moments, I realize I'm comfortable. A lot about myself that I just, sometimes I don't even know if it's real or it's just me convincing myself that that is all there is. And so I'm allowing myself or I want to allow myself the space to create openly. Did I just say that? Okay, well, I guess this is what we're doing. Allowing myself the space to create openly. I feel like as a person who is creative or a person who endures a lot, a person who has a lot of tenacity and a lot of strength, that can be perceived in a lot of ways that are misconstrued. So I want to give, give myself and I guess others the inspiration that It's not just about being the strength or being the bravery or being the courage. It's about accepting the weakness. But then I hear so many people speak about accepting that. And even I speak about on you can't truly be a success unless you've been a failure. But then we don't necessarily show those things. Like we don't show our emotions. We don't show. Well, not that we don't show our emotions. We we don't show our vulnerability okay not in the, the light in which it grabs hold of someone else we show enough vulnerability vulnerability to let people know that we care or that we're interested or that we understand but not enough to let them see that we are almost one in the same we're we're just alike whether you're whether it's a mean person next to a nice person I see them as being one just the same I understand there's a level of, of difference because a mean person is just angry or attitude or they do stuff behind the scenes that's unnecessary or they're kind of shysty and a nice person is always going around doing good but you look at it the same. The mean person may have dealt with a lot of hurt. 
They might not have had the breakthroughs that the nice person has had. And you also come to understand the nice person has a, a mean streak too. And that mean person can be just as nice as the nice person if given the opportunity or if in the position where they felt how the nice person felt. It's, it's all in the way it's perceived. And some people literally perceive the mean person as the nice person. I've been in those situations. The mean person is the nice person today and the nice person is the mean person today. Like the nicest person does one thing that doesn't illustrate how nice they were yesterday and now they're the mean guy. It doesn't. Or maybe the nice person is defending someone else or themselves and now they're perceived as mean. And the mean person is actually being nice to get something and now they're seen as the nice person. And it's, it's like, and actually they're being nice because they want something. So, and the nice person is actually being mean because they're trying to defend something. But nevertheless, they have the same traits, they have the same characteristics. They have the same strength and weaknesses, and I just see it as one. But there's nowhere in eternity where people, well, I won't say that necessarily, but there are moments when people don't see equality as equality, and yet we fight for equality. And if we put people next to themselves, it will still be a difference because the difference is not in the people, it's in the eye of the person watching like beauty is in the eye of the beholder so literally if that person had an equality in their eyes they would see equality so the fact that there is like for lack of better words inequality is because that's what the people see that's what the person sees that's how the person wants to perceive it even if we say our enemies and our lovers the fact that we can separate it it's not just because the enemy did something wrong and it's not because the lover did something right it's because the eyes have seen a basis a means of saying this is the enemy this is the lover it's like seeing purple and green if your eyesight is quote-unquote normal you're going to see purple as purple and green as green but people who are colorblind are going to see green as purple and purple as green the same for a person you might see enemies as lovers and lovers as enemies even though on other people's eyes they're like no your enemies your enemy your lover is your lover you're like i can't tell the difference well sometimes that's a good thing because you want to only see the equality in situations and I'm only saying this because I had terrible, <laughs> terrible eyesight. Or, and literally I did because I, I, I don't have 20-20 vision. So I have to wear corrective lenses. But also it's just because I've been in those situations where I, I couldn't tell an enemy from a lover or good from bad or the spirit of discernment. But in in, in some kind of miraculous way that has been a good thing for me because even in being in the enemy's camp I learned that there is love love even if the love is just amongst the enemies there is still love and I've learned amongst lovers there are still enemies lovers can sometimes be enemies to each other in the lovers camp there are enemies who don't want the lovers there either way you start to realize how it just makes sense until a point where we is just seeing it 
from the eye. Uh, I don't want to say that it's deep, but like seeing it from the eyes of God. And I've been in my own resting, nesting spot to where I'm like, how can I see like you? How can I understand like you? And not that I wanted to. I was afforded the opportunity to do so. So when I speak about openly being creative, it's about openly saying I'm not as strong as I wish I could be. There are moments when my strength only kicks in because it's literally a life or death situation. I'm not as courageous as I wish I could be. I'm only sometimes courageous because I know there's something behind the door or there's an opportunity. I'm only courageous because I literally get excited. My excitement is my courage. I'm not just a person who wakes up and say, I'm going to conquer the world. I'm a person who, when my joy for life kicks in, I say, I'm going to conquer something today because I'm just so excited and I can have the wind knocked out of me, but it still is comforting to know that I saw the wind knocked out of me for some reason. Like I've had a lot of failures and people are like, how could you get back up? I'm like, I don't know. That failure knocked the wind out of me. But my gosh, (laughs) that wind was strong and powerful. And I've never seen anything like it, but the sight of it. And sometimes it's the in the failures. I've, I've had the feeling of like, wow. The fact that I tried meant more than the crown or the trophy or the reward I would have got had I won. It's like a person, sometimes they win trophies and still are not satisfied. I want another one. Or they win their little rings and they're like, I want another one. Or it's just sometimes you you have to come to the, well, I've come to the reality that my my failures were inspirational and they molded me and shaped me into being someone who is much better than I was. I was as timid as they come. I was a weak, fragile being. I was shy. I was scared. I was just, and it's not just because I wanted to be, it was because literally I had been bullied. I had been ostracized. I had looked at myself and told myself things that I would never tell a person because I know how much it hurts. I let other people tell me like who I was, what I was, what I could be and what I couldn't be. And so even though my failures may have hurt and people may have laughed and I may have questioned God after going over several times, it The revelation was not based on whether this was good or this was bad. It was based on the fact that I got up, the fact that I did something, the fact that I didn't just let myself hide forever. The fact that one taste of joy, one taste of excitement can motivate you to do a lifetime of deeds that when simplified matter not to the person you gave it to it matters to you it it inspired me to see how the the little girl that would never actually became the woman who did and so like i said the eyesight is what has changed it's not that i see enemies or lovers or good or bad it's that i see it all 
I can see good in a bad person and I can see bad in a good person. And for years, people have asked me, like, why do you see such good things? And they say the things like if a person shows you who they are, believe them. And if they did it once, they'll do it again. I believe all those philosophies, but I believe in a greater philosophy, which said my God is still actively in pursuit of his people actively on his throne. So how can the mindset or the eyesight of another did not God give me my own pair of eyes, my own vision, my own. Well, I'm not going to say my own understanding because the Bible says lean not, but did he not give me the ability to have understanding, to have eyesight, to have vision, to have motivation, to have things that, don't come from people that don't even come from ourselves. Well, that's what I've been realizing. And so I'm not just so. And and understandably so. After going through those failures, I'm not in a pursuit of another success. I'm not in a pursuit of another thing to conquer. I'm, I'm in pursuit of. Something so simple, which is just peace. The pursuit of me. And they all say simple. Just let go and let God. And hang on another day. But I've come to, to understand that peace is in the serenity of knowing. That everything is not about what you do. It's not always about what you say. Sometimes it is in how you feel. Sometimes it's it's in just understanding that it's like they say, it's okay. It's about like not me trying to present the best thing or the best anything, not even the best me. It's about presenting who I am truthfully down to my core down to my soul it's about being who I am even in the dark but not like in the fragmented way that I thought not like just announcing hey I have low points and hey I have high points it doesn't simplify to a low or high it doesn't simplify to a good or bad as it says all things work together it simplifies into this is what it is if if it's like it's almost like you know you come to understand that okay there's two type of I I want to say this in the best way okay I'm seeing it as a painter when that painter is done with that art and they show you people are like wow that's beautiful they buy it they want it and sometimes they just look at it and and are amazed at the beauty but when you watch a painter. When you see how a painter goes from um, just like the YouTube videos when they create it and you see it start from nothing from scratch and it just becomes a whole bunch of ziggly lines. And then there's color in the ziggly lines and then there's the way the ziggly lines, there's more things added on to it. And now it's just you don't even know what it's going to turn out to be. But then when it's done, it's a masterpiece. Well, that's sort of like our lives. It's sort of like my life has been. It just started as like this 
person who wanted to explore, then this person who was too weak to explore, then this person who was too afraid because of what happened to explore, who was too afraid because what people said to explore and then couldn't explore because she was denied and then couldn't explore because she didn't know what to do, then decided I'm going to make a list and just started doing different things until I realized this whole life has been an exploration what is there not to say there's nothing else to explore because that would be me limiting again my eyesight to just what has happened or what is but to open it that understanding I had to realize this whole thing has been an exploration this whole thing has not just been about me being strong or me being courageous or me being brave or me being insecure or me being Nervous or me having anxiety, it's been about me being ultimately who I was created to be. But I never, never had the willingness to be that openly. I've had pieces and moments where I was me on this day, and then on another day, I was another form of what I created or this day I was only my art and this day I was only speaking what I wanted to say. I've never had a willingness or openness to just say maybe I just am today. It's like a person who spends their life looking for something or trying to be something or wanting to be successful, trying to be, and then they never have the opportunity to just be themselves. Well, I had to meet a stranger When I met myself, I feel like I met a stranger. And in life, I met many strangers who, like, not showed me, but influenced the opening of, of me. And that opening was of, like, don't want to go out fairy tale but like a broken heart, uh, the opening of a scarred heart, the opening of a wounded heart that I thought I had to hide. The opening of my double-minded thinking that I thought I had to conceal. Or the opening of my fears that I thought I had to let go of before I could fully become. But, you know, like they say, you embrace who you are. Well, I have to say I couldn't embrace myself. I was a stranger to myself. So in a weird way, again, it was not that I was too afraid. I guess I'm hearing it now. I wasn't too afraid to show who I was or say who I was or speak who I was. I didn't know. I didn't understand. And if I was to go around quoting scriptures or saying I have a point, I have a purpose. That person is <laughs> gigantic. That person is gigantic in courage. That person is gigantic in strength and confidence and whatever. If I wanted to do something else, if I wanted to feel beautiful, there's a part of me that just like I'm beautiful no matter what I wear. I can wear nothing. I can wear literally something I just put together and still feel beautiful. That's the understanding I have within myself, but it wasn't until I met the stranger 
that I realized, like, like I said, you go around wanting to explore until you realize that this all has been the exploration. This all has been wonderful. And I, I, I start to wonder, you know, our whole existence has a purpose. And sometimes we don't know it. So then what do we do? The human consciousness, the soul tells us there's a purpose. Go find it. And what if you met a stranger within yourself that said this has been the purpose the whole time? We have been the purpose. It wasn't some big fancy show that we need to put on our, you know, an amazing illustration of art that we needed to declare. What if it was just simply you? What if you were like the work of art? What if you were the illustration? What if you were the show? How would you feel? And it's not the thing you think you need to say or the thing you think you need to do. It's simply just you. Gosh, they would, this like I was about to say, that would take a lot of weight off a lot of people if God just said unexpectedly, just you show up. I don't need you to do anything. I don't need you to say anything. For we know he can do all things. But if he only needed us to show up, would we? If he only needed us to stand, would we? And I've had to fight with myself about that a lot. Would you just stand? I'm like, that's so simple. But to a person like me, it's not a person who squatted. A person who's, like I said, hid. A person who's like... I know my weaknesses, so if I feel like they're coming, or if I feel like, like, what if a stranger held my weakness in his hand or her hand, I would run. Like, that's literally who I am. I'm, like, I remember telling a relative that I'm like a runaway slave because I've been running my whole life from myself, the stranger, running. Sometimes I wasn't running out of fear. Sometimes I was running simply because that's all I knew how to do. All I knew how to do. I had problems that no one can solve. I have, like I said, I've had situations where I just felt like it's better to just run. Just to run. And I, I even allow people to, I mean, I push people away sometimes because I'm like, I can't run today, so you got to go. <laughs> That's not funny, but I'm just saying, I know this. But those are the things that I would like to keep hidden, locked away, like a treasure box. Like, this is what I'm seeing, a treasure box. I got a key to this treasure box. And it's like, no, don't go in there looking for gold because you're going to find it. Something else. <laughs> oh, you're gonna find something else. But I was okay with that. But I don't think it's okay to be okay with that. Because, like I said, it's like a treasure box. I'm hiding the one treasure. And I don't know if it's a guilty conscience. I don't know if it's shame. I don't know what the reason is. I'm not going to pretend or try to persistently allow myself to figure out why I'm hiding such a treasure. 
But I know this and I openly admit that that's the box I've been keeping closed this whole time. Now, it's not saying I haven't done anything to be shameful of or regretful about. I've done all those things, but everybody has. And I can get up here and talk about that all day and anybody can, but that's not the point this time. Nor is it the purpose. I feel like it's just realizing that I have contained my treasures. Or maybe I don't perceive them as treasures, but that's what I'm seeing. So maybe in in hindsight, it's a treasure, right? It must be some type of treasure chest, but it's locked away. But I guess that's what happens, you know, when we get hurt, when we get embarrassed. We lock away our treasures, our jewels, our gems, the things that matter. Or we secretly give them to God. And then the people we meet, the people we love, the people we care about the most don't get to see those treasures. So they still consider us what? What if it's not a treasure? What is it? Something of no worth, something of no value. And they will continually perceive us that way. And we might even because we've hidden our treasures or we've kept the last bit of treasure that we know or we've mistaken our non-valuables for valuables. Oh, it's like when you have food, you have your perishables, you put those in the refrigerator so they don't go out, but the non-perishables, you can leave them out all day. So what's perishable, we have mistakenly left it out in the cabinet and put the non-perishables in the refrigerator or the treasure box. But those things that I have hidden in the treasure box, they're non-perishable. I think they're not refundable. Like, I can't give them back to God even if I want. I can't, I guess. But it's like one of those things where he's like, you know, I'm not taking this away because it's, it's, it's a non-perishable. And that's why I said it's about the way you see it. It's about the vision. And necessarily, truthfully, is the way God sees it. So what I have been thinking is valuable because I have to speak it openly has been non-valuable. What I have been thinking has been the most creative in my mind, as as they say, when I was a child, a thousand has been none creative. And even if it has been influential, it hasn't been as powerful as what's hidden in that treasure box, because anything hidden in a treasure box is valuable. But like I say, those are the things that I only address when I'm in my peaceful spot. And if my treasure box is in my center of my peace, that doesn't even make sense. If I guess it does. In my peaceful spot, I have found the treasures that I have mistakenly thought were brokenness. But even when I have found peace within myself, peace with what I've done, peace with my father, peace for Every mistake, peace from everything, I still see this treasure box with these things that as I look into it, I see my insecurities, my flaws, my weaknesses, my imperfections, my demons, my fears, my big fears. And I'm like, um, yeah, the other part of me can deal with that. 
But the stranger is the one who brought it out. And I don't, I don't understand how I could, well, I guess I just have to say that honestly, this is me honestly speaking. The stranger brought out the treasure box. And the delightment was not necessarily in seeing it. It was really in knowing that it was still there. I said, still, this is here. This is a. You know, this is not a non-perishable. This is this should have perished. You know, all of it should have gone away until I realized that my eyesight was limited because what I considered perishable, my God didn't. What I considered just a throwaway, even within myself, just a runaway, somebody that loves me didn't. And so, if nothing else, I just feel like coming to grips with it all. Even in a time where you just say, I just wonder why it hasn't been there all along or it hasn't been understood within myself all along. A time where it's like, in my mind, there's nothing really wrong. Things are happening, yes. The world is spinning, yes. Things are going on, but if I'm at peace, why is this treasure box still existing? Why is the one thing I want to get rid of still here? And that's just like having a thorn. Until you realize that the treasure box isn't the thorn. His grace is for the thorn that I persistently carry. No way to get around it. But there's not grace for the treasure because the treasure is valuable itself. The thing is, do I want to dispose of the treasure box or find out what it's worth? (laughs) Literally. But I... I don't know how to find out what it's worth other than pulling the things out of this treasure box and actually having it. I don't know. Where do you go to find out what something's worth? Do they go to like, I don't want to say auction. I don't want to auction nothing off, but you know, there has to be, I don't know how you put a price on it. Because you can't, I don't know, do you still, are you supposed to get a human to get a price on it? I'm just, I'm openly asking these questions. I don't know if I should get a human. I don't know. I should allow God to show me what these things are worth. But then, this is the thing, people. You have to pull it out one by one. Or dress it openly one by one. And that's the part. That, <laughs> I won't say I'm completely afraid nervous about because I know when I pull these things out it's not necessarily me not the little girl that I was she would never pull these things out the treasure box right it's like having your toy chest you know you want to pull it out and show it as a kid but then when you're in a room with people who might take it or people who might think it's nothing you're not going to pull it out you're going to just only probably pull out your favorite one the one who you 
you know they're not going to deny. They're not going to deny this toy. And they're going to want to play with me with this toy. And then there's some days where you're like, I'm pulling out all my toys and all you guys can look. But as the woman, you get gifts and you get things and you put them in a treasure box. And you're like, yeah, I'm not pulling this out because this is my secret. This is my loving thing. This is my whatever you see it as. But I know I'll never know the worth of that treasure box if I don't pull out those things. And I don't even know what I'm going to title this. I don't even know. Yeah, but. So this is my next chapter. Allowing myself to openly create and pull out those things in the treasure box that I thought were going to just, you know. (laughs) What's the word? Perish. Go away. But I guess they're not meant to. And that purpose, I don't know. So the thing about this is because I don't know the purpose of this treasure box. I might have known my purpose or thought. Let me use, I'm using like the air quotation marks because I'm being honest. I may have thought I've known my purpose. I may have thought I knew what to do, what to say. And it's not. And honestly, this treasure box lets me, I didn't always know. Like I said, I wasn't always strong or brave or courageous. I just had hints of joy. I wasn't always strong. Sometimes I was just angry. And an angry person would do a lot of things. I wasn't always brave. Sometimes I was just desperate. I wasn't always happy. Sometimes I just was. What's the word to use? Just tired of being sad. Sometimes I was just (laughs) super hype. And that brings out a happiness that I've never seen. And not hype off of anything, just hyper because I'm like, I feel something. I know something is going to happen. Strange thing. Sometimes I just feel things before they actually happen. And I just understand things before they actually are able to be explained. It's like, how do you explain this noise? I never knew how to explain nothing that I knew. So then I just sounded completely I, I dare I say it, but dumb. I sounded like a bowl of stupidity. <laughs> Had fallen into the romance <laughs> and began to be passed out. <laughs> I guess it's not funny to laugh, but literally, though, I just sometimes I have to laugh at the things that I have learned to understand. That's why I say you have to see things because I have seen things in a way that. Makes me feel awesome, but I've also seen things in a way that makes me feel like really bad. Like, literally, how could you do that? You know, and I'm not necessarily sure how other people see it. I just have been privy to being able to see it completely good and completely bad. Completely safe and completely risky. Completely nice and completely mean. But even in understanding that, I... I have kind of like allow myself to disown the truth that there's a stranger that still exists inside me. And I just remember being a young lady and I just said, there's a woman and I want to meet her. 
And I just remember praying, saying, God, I want to see her. I want to meet her. I want to know what she looks like. I want to know what she sounds like. I felt like she was much better than me. Although I was me, I feel like whatever woman there was to gain or to learn or to find out about how to become, she had things down packed. And that she, you couldn't, yeah. I don't know how I could see her or feel her or know that she existed, but I could never. I, I, I have to say, I was very, like, I could never be her. Never. I knew she was there, but I never, I could never be her. I, I literally would write things and go back and read it and say, I know this was someone else who wrote this. It could be my handwriting, but there wasn't me writing. And these were the diaries or the unfinished novels that I never printed. That I never allowed myself to share. It's like I wanted to share, but I choked up. Or I wanted to share, but I didn't share it in the way that she felt it. Like she's, I mean, like, it's like me. I'm trying to say there's someone inside me <laughs> that inspires me. That motivates me. I don't know how that would be perceived, but literally it is. And I even fought to to keep, I don't know, hesitated to allow that person to willingly come out. I was afraid to expose that person to people I love, it's afraid to express her truth, so to speak, because I just felt like I had already... Mm, I had to admit I had already messed it up for her. I had already messed it up for myself. I had already destroyed whatever she was creating. I had already minimized her efforts in a way. So I guess in hindsight, I must have put everything she owned in this treasure box. Everything she loved dearly. And, and like I said, I must discount it as a perishable. So, like I said, this new journey is not about me finding anything. You know how they say we have to find ourselves. And we have to allow our true selves. And we have to become the best version. I've heard every, what do you call those things? Self. I've been to self-help groups. I've read self-help books. I've been to therapy I've been to church I've been everywhere around the globe <laughs> not literally but you know I've been to a lot of places walked a lot of streets worked a lot of jobs created a lot of things that were either perceived as good or bad but they meant something to the person who I am today it meant she had a fighting chance it meant that she could see what shouldn't be and allow what should she could see what didn't matter and understand what does so I'm going to say it I helped a stranger. 
the one stranger that matters. You know how they always say, you, you, you mean something to help people you're never going to see again. Well, this is one stranger I definitely thought I wouldn't see again. Or I would never see. But it means something when you help the stranger that comes back and says, yo, thank you. And as much as we want people around us to do that, as much as I love affection from the people around me, or I love, you know, the the moments where they're like, I remember. And most people don't, but I love the moments when I remember. I remember what happened. I remember what I did. I remember what I said to you, to you, to anybody. It means a lot when that one stranger is indeed the one who needed it the most. And it means a lot when you can't just necessarily take credit for it. I can't just necessarily take credit for helping a stranger. If anything, this treasure box is what saved the stranger. It wasn't necessarily me. It was the stuff I tried to hide from myself. Oh, God. Yeah. The stuff I tried to hide from myself. The stuff I told myself never happened. There were things that happened that I couldn't necessarily forgive or move on from or even feel like I can get a second chance or even escape that I hid and I believed within myself it never happened. You know how we do it's called like almost blocking the brain cells or tricking the brain cells or allowing the brain cells to see differently. There are things that I suffered from that I had to tell myself to see in a joyous way that there is no way a human should see pain or suffering as joyful. Accepting the fact that long suffering happens when we're following Christ. But the other stuff wasn't necessarily me following him. It was just necessarily me bumping my head. And I had to tell myself, yo, <laughs> you just fell out the bed. To make myself feel better. To make myself smile. I had to tell myself, yo, you didn't just, you know, get hurt. You... Literally stumbled, but no, I got hurt. I got things done to me that's this unfair to a human that's just cruel. And in the duality of things, I told myself, you know, it was good for me that I had been afflicted for not I had been afflicted. You know, I never known the goodness of the Lord, which is true, but it's also a deceptive, clever way for me to feel better about it. Without asking God why. Because sometimes I feel bad for asking God why. And yes, I guess I have to admit that too. I'm the person who asks God why. He doesn't always answer no. But there are been times where I, people just believe I accept all things concerning my life or all things concerning God. That's a lie. I question him. And it wouldn't be fair for me not to admit that I have. Even though I don't do now. I have to admit that I have because if somebody else questions God and I make them feel wrong, aren't I a hypocrite? If I try to preach to them, you shouldn't question God without at least admitting, yo, I have questioned God. I would be a hypocrite. Something I dare not be. So this, like I said, this part of my life is not about me trying to prove that I know a lot. Not saying I don't know a lot. It's not about me. You know, 
saying that I speak truths beyond measures. It's not saying that I can um, lead an army to victory. <laughs> it's not saying that I can um, put on a show. It's not saying that I can soothe you with my voice. It's not saying that I can make a difference in your life. It's not about nothing other than I have hidden this treasure box from this woman who deserves to know what's in the box and what it's worth. For the stuff I hid for her is worth more. It's worth more than silver and gold. It's worth more than I can give her. More than I can give myself. You know how they say you gotta love yourself. You gotta think yourself strong. Like I said, this person, she inspires me. But what good is it for me to allow her to inspire me, but then not give her the truth about everything? Not allow her truth to be spoken to anybody else, but I just take her inspiration and drive it down the lane I want to go. Yield it my way. I'm taking inspiration from the part of me that's probably even connected to my source, which is my father. And I'm using it to... Or I have used it to just do and do and act. And, and I'm not saying that it's wrong. Fairly speaking, like I said, it's the perception you perceive in it. Because we all may have done it. We have used our understanding within ourselves to do something else. Or our strength to do something else. But I'm not going to just say that strength belongs to me. Or that courage or that inspiration belongs entirely to me. It doesn't. It came from somewhere. So the least I want to do is give her the opportunity or that part of my, the stranger within me, the opportunity to go in that treasure box, pull everything out. It's like a person who's saying, oh, God, I remember this. The kid who has their favorite toy and all of a sudden is gone and then they find it miraculously from cleaning the house. Or you have so much nice stuff, and but you buy so many nice things and you forget about the one that meant something or the nice thing that was important at one season in your life. And you find it. Well, they consider those people. I'm going to say, I guess I, I'm going to say it. They consider those people hoarders, right? But not the overly obsessed hoarders. That's just way out of control. But you know, people who keep memories, like that photo album, you go look at it and you're like, this picture, I remember. So even if the person is not there, the memory, the good ones, of course. And even if you, you know, those moments where you think you hate a person and you go look back at a picture y'all took and you're like, wow. And it's almost like a freeing of that thing that has been taunting you or haunting you. And now that I put it, it's like maybe inside that treasure box is the free, the key to my freedom. I don't know. Because I've surely found peace, but maybe it's the key to something. You know, like a clue. Oh, let's go on a treasure hunt. <laughs> no, but that's enough. But literally, that's that's that's. What I'm coming to grip with. Not necessarily isolating myself and just waiting on the art to be done. Although they say you can't present something that's half done. Because I've been the woman who did that to presenting half done cookies or half baked. Um, <laughs> what do you have baked? Pies. <laughs> Not purposely, just yo. Sometimes I'm the type of person who, you know, 
Just get it done, get it over with. I don't like time-consuming things. I don't. I just feel like it consu- it's not only time-consuming, it's energy-consuming. Time is energy to me. Like they say, time is money. That's for some people. To me, time is energy. Three minutes is, you know, three minutes of my energy. It's three breaths I took. It's like, yeah, that's how I feel about that. Time is energy to me. But that's the way you see it again. So that's how I used to be. So, yeah, I had those little moments. But this is not about whether the thing is done or have done. This is about the person. Like, this is about the baker. Every now and again, you don't want to know what the food tastes like. You don't want to know what it looked like. You just want to know the baker, the chef. Maybe you've tasted their food. Maybe you don't like their food. Maybe you love their food. Maybe you're not even interested in food. You're like, really? You're the chef, but I really want a soda. So, I mean, can a chef fix me a soda? It's not about the food. It's about the chef. Sometimes they want to know what else you can do. Or you know how the food's really good or it's just interesting. I want to meet the chef. So I've learned that in all the hats I've worn, all the things I've done, the one thing I didn't do was allow people to meet the stranger. And even in meeting the stranger, not that, you know, <laughs> I'm the most popular and people just want to. I'm not Beyonce. Never said that. Not none of those people. But, you know, in our families, they want to meet. I want to meet my real sister or I want to meet my real father. You know, you have those moments where you're like, I don't I want to meet the real you. Or I want to meet the you that you are not when we when that you are when no one's looking or the you that you are when everyone's looking. Sometimes to family, we only show them the thing we do. We don't show them our true hearts, our true emotions. And then we're the ones who are, who are hurting or we're the ones who are feel like a stranger because we have become a stranger. So the next thing that I, well, I really guess I didn't, I just came to this revelation that, you know, of course it was a while ago, but I guess I'm just openly admitting. That's another thing. I can't openly say things or speak things until I know, until I have found that comfort within myself. Like I said, I was whimsical, but it was after I said, okay, okay, we're going to do this. You know, I have to, Give myself the pep talk and then I go out and do it. And it was all whimsical, but I have really forced myself to get into that mode of saying, yes, I can. Yes, I can. But literally, I'm the type of person who I can't just like, you know, they say people at the drop of a hat. I'm not necessarily drop of a hat all the time. Sometimes I need to pick that hat up, you know, and then I can do what I need to do. And I was the one I forgot about that. Sometimes my strength or my courage was hidden under my hat. This is wear hats a lot. So there was sometimes when I put on my hat, I felt amazing. And then when I took it off, I didn't. And the other thing about the hat was with the hat on, you can't really see others. You only see yourself. So then you can be who you want to be. So I would have like, I don't know what you call them. The hats, the beanies that was me i'm a woman i'm a girl but i was like i had that sometimes it was just the the tomboy in me sometimes it was the roughness in me sometimes it was just the me that says yo with this hat on i could be anybody i could do anything 
Oh God, dare I say like a magician? You know, they have that hat. <laughs> not gonna say I was like real life magician, but yo, that's that's the type of brain brain function I had. But you know, sometimes you have to reveal what's under that hat, and it turns out to be a little bit more a little bit more room for me, cause me and the hat can't fit in the room. <laughs> Me and the hat, what if, okay, I'll say it like this. I found out that it was better for me to be as light as I could be. So the hat had to go. <laughs> but yeah, I was that person too who couldn't, I couldn't do it at the drop of a hat, but I could do it with my hat. That's it's almost like having a crutch, having something to hold on to, having something that made you feel worthy instead of just feeling worthy. So yeah, I was kind of, mm, I'll say I didn't always, like I said, the work was in the treasure box. And if I didn't feel like I didn't know that treasure box was worthy. So I put it to the side and in doing so, I felt unworthy. So then I had to use other stuff like the hat or maybe just the food instead of just coming out as the chef. There are times I would do things and I wouldn't even show my face. And even if people complimented that thing, it's like, I'm not letting them know who I am. I'm not saying nothing. I would go back into the world like I hadn't done anything on the sideline. I was on the sideline, but I was doing a lot of things. I just never showed my face because I was like, what if they don't like it because it's me? What if they think it's, you know, all these compliments, but what if they think I don't deserve them? That was me. That was the person. That was the thing, the stuff I was hiding in the treasure box. And when I put those things away, I felt unworthy. When I questioned those things, I felt unworthy. So to feel worthy again, I just started creating and doing things. And it's just, it was just the only way I could feel a sense of worth and creativity because my treasure box, I hid. So this is revealing what's under or inside that treasure box. But I vow, I guess I vow to do it openly. And then whatever feelings I feel, I have to accept them and acknowledge them as I have learned <laughs> in my recovery stage. You have to accept and acknowledge. But instead of just creating, I think I'm going to openly pull out the things that I've been hiding in this treasure box. For her. And plus, you know what they say. Was done in the dark. <laughs> Just kidding. But you know what they say. Well, anyway, this treasure box was hidden in the dark. So it needs to. As I'm walking towards the light, I realize I got to take that treasure box with me because the things in it will not perish. So that's the end of this segment. I do love you. Thank you if you listened all the way through. And mwah, kisses and hugs. <laughs>